It's James Golden, a.k.a. Bo Snerdly, on 77 WABC, the crown jewel of American radio. It is Saturday morning. Welcome to our Saturday morning radio experience here. This is our radio extravaganza. So nice to have you here if you want to be part of the program. 800-848-WABC is the number. 800-848-9222. And what is on your mind this morning? Could it be still residual thoughts or emotions surrounding the surrender of 19 people in Georgia and the mugshots that were taken, including those that of President Trump and others like Rudy Giuliani? Could it be the debates that happened earlier this week? We spent a lot of time in the lead-up to the debates talking about what people's expectations were, and then after the debates, of course, the conversation shifted to the events that took place and transpired in Georgia. So if you want to weigh in on any of that, any of it at all, it's fine. 800-848-WABC. We'll check in and see if Derek Hunter's around this morning. And um, next week, perhaps, I'm not going to promise, but next week, perhaps, Princess Di might be returning with us. So we'll see. Derek Hunter is indeed awake, my friend, the columnist, the broadcaster, the author, the pundit, the guy that's had more jobs in America than just about anyone else, Derek Hunter. Hey, James. Yes, I was awake. I was connected right at uh, 7 o'clock. I was ready to go. I thought you were changing the name to uh, away from the radio extravaganza. I'm glad to see that it's... uh, it's No, no, no. Yes, and never left. I just had... Okay, where do we start, Derek? Wait a minute. You know what, Derek? There are so many other things before the Trump arrest mugshot Mm. and the debates that are just so maybe can can we just do something like I'll just do a, a, a quick round on a few stories so that we can touch on them. Okay. Do it. All right. Carl Santana was at a concert. And he then he, he stopped, he did a little speech about how men are men, boys are boys, women are women. Didn't take long, within 24 hours he had to do the perp walk mm-hmm. and apologize. <laughs> He's Car- if Car- Carlos Santana, even if he weren't famous, should be old enough to go, I don't care, shut up, get off my lawn. He should have that sort of attitude at his age. And he doesn't. And he's famous enough and he's got enough money that he should have some dignity and just go, you know what, go go away. I'm not going to. But they don't. They don't. They cave every single time. Okay, two stories out of Chicago. Um, Chicago, the, the Democrat mayor in Chicago, <laughs> this guy, this guy's a piece of work. The He's Democrat Chicago, Chicago mayor, Brandon Johnson, is suing Kia and Hyundai. The car makers for contributing to <laughs> I can't wait for, for contributing to violent crime in Chicago because they failed to use anti theft technology in their vehicles. He's, he's, I thought it was going to be because they were so affordable, so they made drive bys <laughs> more possible. I mean, that's only that's next. 
I love it. You know, that he's going to sue money for being there, banks for holding it, things like that, stores for holding things of value. It's really their fault. Huh. I, I, You know, everybody knows somebody who will go to great lengths that their little sweet little darling could never do anything wrong. They're just an angel. Meanwhile, they're in the corner playing with a Zippo setting the dog on fire. Um, <laughs> that's That's him. That's it. And don't call little Billy an arsonist. That's, uh, <laughs> oh, good Lord. You know, but you, Meanwhile, you two females, you two females last night were shot while watching a Chicago White Sox game. Well, they, they and I'm not laughing about the White that. Sox. There's your first problem is you're watching the White Sox. But. They went to something called the Guaranteed Rate Field. I don't know what that is. It must have been. Then, no, that's, the, that's Comiskey Park. But it, oh. uh, it must have been after 9 p.m. Because they have that ceasefire between 9 a.m. and 9 p.m. Oh, right? that's right. That's right. The clock. It's it. like they should set off that, that purge bell at 9 o'clock. And so everybody can scramble to get home. They probably want to do it five minutes early so people have a chance. Have you ever flown on Spirit Airlines? No, I like living. <laughs> oh! Uh, Spirit Airlines is going to be forced to pay out $8.25 million class, act, uh, class action lawsuit over bag fees. They apparently, a group of first-time flyers who booked their trips using third-party uh, websites sued them. This suit's been going on for six years. They claimed that Spirit Airlines carry you on bag fees were a surprise, intentionally hidden to make profit. What would happen is they'd show up to the airport, and then they got nailed up to $100 for their carry-on bag. For carry-on? For their carry-on bag. Do you believe it? Yeah, I can believe it. I mean, those rubber bands they use to wind up the propellers on Spirit Airlines, they don't, they don't come cheap. <clears throat> <laughs> okay, um... Now, this is the, okay, this is the last one I want to ask you about. And this story, I want to actually, maybe I'll talk about a, a later in the show, too. Zillow. Do you ever go on Zillow? I, <laughs> I was on Zillow yesterday. I, okay. I then migrated over to Redfin, but every once in a while I like to look at what they tell me my house is worth. All right. Zillow is offering now mortgages with only a 1% down payment. I heard that. One percent down. Good luck with those payments. They're saying it's to help struggling home buyers get on the property ladder. So far, there are a lot of people that are skeptical of it, and they're worried that this could lead to another um, bust in what housing. You've got to you understand know. is the average price of houses is now over four hundred thousand dollars. It's like four hundred thirty-eight thousand or something like that. One percent down, you'd have to your payments would. Be what seven six seven thousand dollars a month? If you can afford a payment like that, you can hold off for a couple of months and save up a down payment or come scrap together the money for a, a down payment. I would think one percent is insane. And then, of course, when you get to the people buying hundred thousand dollar homes, getting by on credit cards thanks to the Biden administration, you are going to end up in a situation where eventually. You might be able to play the credit card shuffle, and I'll pay this much on this, and then make your your monthly note on the house. But sooner or later, one bad thing or a twist in ankle or whatever, you're going to end up 
in foreclosure. And it's, you, it's, by the way, are really good. You hit the nail on the head. <clears throat> this news story says the average U.S. Uh, house price is uh, the average price of a home is four hundred and sixteen thousand one hundred dollars. Mm-hmm. And a person able to secure a mortgage that size with 1% down payment would face repayments of $2,996 a month if they took out a 30-year mortgage. I looked it's, up our house. We bought it uh, two years ago. And uh, we put down, I forget, it was like 18%, as much as we could scramble together. And then I looked at what, a house relative to what we paid would be and what we'd have to put down to get the monthly mortgage payment for, you know, that we have because we got in when our rate was below 3%. It was something like 52%. Good grief. I know. It would be impossible. We bought, I mean, we could have bought earlier when it was a little bit cheaper and we could have bought before COVID when it was a feeding frenzy. But, um, we we couldn't buy now. There's no way in hell we could buy now. And a lot of people are being frozen out. With these yeah. mortgage rates are at, at what, almost 8% again? Yeah, you, I mean, you look at the price and you go, okay, yeah, okay. Then you interest rates. We are so We have a generation of people, James, who are so used to low interest rates that they, they don't know, and no inflation. That they really don't know what the hell is going on. There's a great meme, I tweeted it out probably two weeks ago, of uh, somebody holding one bag of groceries by their pinky finger, and it says, thanks to the Biden administration, my workout plan is, is so great that I can lift $70 worth of groceries with one finger. <laughs> and it's like half a grocery bag. Yeah. That's well, just- that that's, yeah. All right, where do, you, where do we start, the debates or the arrests? Well, you should go in chronological order. You should talk about the disastrous trip of the president, the embarrassing trip to Hawaii by the president of the United States. Ooh. Uh, honest to God, the guy, I, I, there are some people who are just uncouth, is one of my mother's favorite words, uncouth. But you sit there and you, you, you feel the need to identify with people. When really all you have to do is listen to people and tell them it'll be okay. Because, you know, that's all you can do. Instead, he goes, yeah, you know, I had a kitchen fire. I was without a toaster for a good two weeks until William Sonoma was able to get me out a new one. It's exactly like you who lost everything, including half of your family. So I And I almost okay. lost my 67 Corvette. In yeah. it. I almost lost cat. my Corvette. Don't forget about the cat. Oh, yeah. It's unbelievable that your inner monologue would cause you to stop. You'd go, do I really want to hurt these people? Because that's the only reason to deliver this monologue, is I want to just like rip the scab off and pour some lemon juice on the wound. So I don't really want to do that, so I'm going to let that go, and I'm just going to sit there and reassure them that everything's going to be okay as it can be, and we're going to be there every step of the way until this is over with. And that's it. Instead, you got to recount how you lost your wife. It's a tragedy, no doubt. But it was also 50 years ago, and you're talking to people whose houses are still smoldering. So let's not pretend that there's an equivalence there. And then to sit there, the worst of all was the joke he tried to make to the firefighter, where he's like, yeah, man, see About that the hot gr- oh. man, that yeah. ground's hot. Like, yeah, yeah, it's called human ash. It happens when people 
are cremated by government incompetence, Joe. And what's amazing to me is that all the Democrats around him, like Shantz and uh, Hirono is just one of the dumbest human beings ever, and Jill, who's not particularly bright either, none of them... That would be Dr. Jill to you. The Reverend Dr. Jill Biden, Jr. the third. Uh, throw all our titles in there. Why not? Um, none of them had the normal human reaction that everybody else did watching that. We're like, oh, jeez. You know, you just kind of, you don't have to, like, go, oh, my God, and scream it out loud. But there should be some sort of facial reaction, a deflation of your spirit a little bit. You just go, oh, my God. Knowing that you can't stop the guy, you can't go up and correct the guy, but you're just that normal human recoil. It doesn't happen in any of them. So maybe they weren't paying attention. But at a certain point, you would think somebody who cared about him, thinking of the Reverend Dr. Jill, might sidle up next to him, pretend she's sniffing his hair and go, you know, you should probably care a little bit more about them than your sad tale of woe or, you know, your your Corvette or don't make any more jokes. This isn't the time for jokes. Somebody should come up to him and say that. Instead, they get nothing. They, I think they... They either don't care or they recognize that certain people, either because they're jerks or because they're losing it, if you say don't do something, you've effectively planted the seed and then it just becomes a matter of time when they do it and they're afraid of that. I don't I don't know, but it is it was a oh, my God, it was actually worse than that, but I can't say it on the air moment when the, he's talking about those are hot boots man melting them boots like, oh my god joe have some decency look i'm not the i'm i'm not the most uh empathetic you heard, person but for god's sakes i recognize it have you heard the blue house theory that's going on about hawaii no smurfs are responsible no, no? the blue house theory and i kid you not i kid you not is that many of the more wealthy and celebrities on Maui have have all painted their houses a certain shade of blue. Because that certain shade of blue is less prone to being up when the space lasers... Well, as somebody who has taken a shift on the the Jewish space lasers, thanks, Marjorie Taylor Greene, I can assure you that you really can't. It's roof color more so than the... <laughs> no, no, no. I, I've seen the pictures. I've seen the pictures of the whole houses in this shade of blue. Look photoshopped to me, of course. But I have it, seen people wondering why it is that Oprah's house and this person's house didn't yeah. burn and that person's yep. house didn't burn. Yep. yep. Uh, because... Yep. I can answer that question without having to implicate NASA, SpaceX, or anybody else, or Big Laser. Um, They have some property. Oprah is not buying a house in high-density housing areas, right? She's not going to have the middle row house in in some place where it's like $250,000 for a row house. She's going to have what we call in the real world an estate. And she's also going to have a wall around said estate. And she's also going to have landscaping around said estate. And the estate is going to be not in between other high-density housing. It's going to be around other estates. You get wide-open areas, suddenly you run out of fuel for fires. 
because they have what's called irrigation. And while the guy who is in charge of allowing Hawaiians to use water to put out fires decided that he wanted to wait a while to honor the fire equity gods and let people burn to death, Oprah and uh, Jim Carrey and all the other people, I can't remember all the, Zuckerberg, they don't wait for that sort of stuff. They don't, they're not on city water probably. They are most likely off the grid completely. They dug a well or whatever, and they have all the water they need. So their grass is green, and green grass doesn't burn as easily as dry, dead grass. So there's your explanation. It's not space lasers. It's they're rich. It's kind of like the way South Park made the joke about Mm -hmm. how it was that Magic Johnson was able to survive with HIV, and he was giving himself huge injections of money. And like, if you have money, a lot of it, unlimited amounts of it, you can do things. Now, they didn't do it specifically to insulate themselves from wildfires. It's just a byproduct of saying, I don't want anybody near me. I want a giant land, and I want it looking beautiful and lush and green. But you're missing the point, Derek. Hmm. Oprah and these other celebrities with the blue houses coveted the land that the in the high density area and they've been waiting for this moment they've been waiting for this moment so that they can swoop in now that there's been a fire and get all of this land that's right up next to the ocean well it's the worst plan ever the worst secret plan ever if some random dude with a twitter account with 17 followers could come up with it yeah i think they're a little bit better off than that and by the way if you really wanted to tell people and show the world your power with the space laser, I think you take out Oprah's mansion and only Oprah's <laughs> mansion, right? Don't you? Let's scare the hell out of everyone. You get Zuckerberg in line right away. Like, if they can get Oprah, they can get me. <laughs> okay, we're going to take a break. When we come back, debate uh, Fulton County, Georgia, and what's going on in Georgia. James Golden, a.k.a. Snurley, with you here. It's our Saturday morning radio extravaganza. The gang is here. What are you playing, Nick? Love it. Tower Power. You know what's going on, by the way, for music lovers, what has been going on. I can't wait to read the rest of it. This weekend out in uh, the left coast of America, there was a two-day memorial for Wayne Shorter. And a lot of heavyweight musicians from all over the world attended, and some of them performed with Herbie Hancock and with others. So, uh, yeah, we got that. WABC Talk Radio 77 coming back. Derek Hunter is with me, 800-848-9222. 800-848-WABC is your number to call. Don't go away. Extravaganza. Now, here's James Golden, a.k.a. Bo Snurdly, on 77 WABC. Nineteen eighty-two. On this date, a sad date music history singer Laura Brannigan 
died of a brain aneurysm. Not really? In what year? No, that was 2004. Okay, I was going to say, like, say, that song was popular then, right? Like, like the right, this was the, I, yeah, I had the dates mixed up. This is the date, didn't drink this 1982 was when this went for a hit. I met her when this record was, uh, she came up to WABC, I was music director then. She came up on her tour, I met her. What a nice lady. You know, uh, I don't want to speak ill of the dead. I'll speak Will of, ill of the famous. Everybody always says, oh, I met that person. And I've said it, too. I met that person. They're really super nice. Well, if it's a meet and greet or a, a thing where you are supposed to professionally interact, what are they going to do? Stab you? Like, um, I have push been you in situations. Stairs, spit in your face. Derek, like, I've been in situations, the meet and greets, where the people are just not nice at all. Who's the worst? I'm not going to name names. Look, we got a shame, name and shame, man. No, 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 no. But I, you, you've been, oh, by the way, like... naming and shaming, and I'll name drop here. I was speaking with our mutual friend David Limbaugh this week. Oh. And uh, just catching up apropos of nothing. And he tells me that he thinks very highly of you as well. But you owe him something related to jazz. A playlist. I will add that James remains on my... Um, post-digested food list until he finally gets me that jazz playlist he's I have been working on David's playlist for a few years three I want years it to be perfect and you can yes. quote me directly to him so I have fulfilled my him. postal duties well, thank I, you the problem is jazz sucks but um, get the man his jazz the Problem. Oh, the, I knew it. I knew the, it. It does. I'm sorry. I used to. Look, you, I you know what, Derek? I would. I would take that to heart if I was speaking with someone who really understood music. But since you I don't, the, I'll I just used let to go to the Montreux Detroit Jazz Festival almost every year because we could drink underage there in Detroit. And, oh, great! And I had friends who worked the beer counter. Who, if you bought a beer with a twenty, they'd give you a change for like a fifty, and then we'd end up splitting the money. We'd make some money that way. Oh, so you're thieving and drinking at a young underage drinking and thieving. Yes. Okay. And so it mm-hmm. was the perfect crime because it was an all cash business. There was no way to. And count. you still don't like jazz. <laughs> After but all you'd that. sit there and you'd you'd be you know, and you might have had a couple of jazz cigarettes as well, and you're down in Hart Plaza in Detroit. And you just watch this stuff, and it all kind of sounds the same, and every song is just long enough for everybody to have a solo. Uh, maybe maybe the Detroit Jazz Festival is just particularly crummy jazz, but it, like, okay, now here comes the bass guy. Oh, now the drum guy. It's like watching the Grateful Dead without being on the drugs. Like, everybody's got to have a solo. Something that probably could have lasted four or five minutes is now up to 15 minutes because... Here comes the guy with the bongos. He gets his solo too. I'm like, give me a break. Enough already. Again, I'm not a That's very your assessment manager. of jazz. I'm not I don't a, even know where to start with that because it's just it's it's Well put the list together for David and, and CC me. Okay, on I'll put I'll the see. list together for David, but I'm not you know, come on, Derek. I mean well He'll give it to uh, again, me. Again, I don't even know where to start with that. That's just ridiculous. <laughs> Especially with some of the great artists. Like if you were out, if you I will even have just filled up Wayne's, your phones for the next two and a half even, hours with my comments. If, if you knew welcome. who Wayne Shorter was, even or what he or, or never mind, my it just just 
It's unconscionable. I believe, for reasons of energy, that your blood pressure might be just a little bit low today, James. And therefore, I have decided to take it upon myself to rectify that situation. You're welcome, America. Yeah, well, thank you. You just did. (laughs) All right. Now, what was your first impression when you, okay, before the mugshot, the debates? Did you watch the debates or did you watch Tucker or both? I watched the debate. What do you think? Uh, I thought it was okay. I thought moderators were absolutely terrible. I wrote a reaction for it five minutes after it was done for the Hill. The moderators were terrible. There wasn't a. They asked a question about UFOs, but they didn't ask a single question about the transgender issue in schools. It's kind of a big deal, especially in Republican circles. And they didn't ask a single question about it. They spent ten minutes arguing about who uh, the moderators did try to get them to argue about who supports Donald Trump more. Okay, you could I hate show of hands questions. They're lazy. So does Ron DeSantis apparently. They, they don't allow for any nuance and like raise your hand, what are we back in school? Um I was surprised that somebody put uh, some energy drink in Mike Pence's Cheerios. I I don't know that that served him well, but I have never seen the man more Chris Christie than Chris Christie. Uh, I thought Nikki Haley did well, better than I thought she would have, and probably served herself well amongst people who don't know Nikki Haley. I thought Vivek Ramaswamy was a little bit too much. Ramaswamy. I, oh, I know. That's why I was calling him Smarmy. I know. Ramaswamy. I don't think anybody was confused as to who I was talking about. I thought I was talking about Doug Bergram over on the edge with his neck, the knee brace. But I thought that he didn't serve himself all that well because... He, he's almost... You're a contrarian because everybody else the next day was, oh, Vivek, Vivek, oh, oh, goodness, he stole the show. Vivek, I think, that buzz is gone. And if you look at a lot of what he said, it it's a Joe Biden 1987 Neil Kinnock moment. He took Barack Obama's words and basically... Yeah, he took, well, yeah exactly. So, yeah, at a certain point, that's going to come back and bite him. Plus, he's been on every side of every issue. That's the problem with being an amateur and spitballing for uh, through book tours and then finally sitting down and going, I want to be serious. And people go, well, you've said all this stuff before. Were you joking? What's going on? Uh, I just don't think he's ready for prime time. And plus, I don't. The guy started a mutual or a hedge fund or a mutual fund or whatever to take on woke corporations. And it raised $330 million. And I'm sure he took his commissions off of that. And now what woke corporations have they taken on? He stepped down from like, where is that? What happened there? I, uh, I just held onto my wallet when I watched him talk and I thought, do I really want this car? Because that was kind of the sense that he gave me as a, uh, a used car salesman. So yeah, Asa Hutchinson, how he got on oh. there. I don't know. They accidentally pulled the Hutchinson family and he got to 1%. And Doug Bergram, I really wanted to hear from Doug Bergram because I know so little about him, but he didn't say anything. I thought DeSantis did really well at the beginning of the debate. He did really well at the end of the debate, and he he wasn't, I don't even know if he was on stage in the middle of the debate. Tim Scott. He was there. Hmm. Yeah, it was I a expected, I expected a little bit more from Tim Scott, but... Tim Scott, to me, didn't hurt himself. His poll numbers. He didn't hurt himself to, because his, right, his image is as a nice guy. But he right. didn't differentiate himself. And you don't have to, you know, throw pies or 
you know, shoot spitballs at everybody else. But Chris he, Christie. Chris Christie did what Chris Christie was going to do, but he was out Chris Christie by Mike Pence. Mm. It, it didn't hurt himself, but they, you almost can't hurt yourself when you're polling so low. What I liked about these debates is, to me, and I, do, I agree, look, I actually think that Vivek Ramaswamy, if he actually takes the time to do some homework and actually learn some of the issues instead of spitballing them, as you said, if he actually takes time and has a real position based on logic, based on history on some of these issues, um, and, and knocks off some of the weird conspiracy stuff like 911, which they didn't grill him about, mm-hmm. and explains himself on Israel. To me, uh, his Israeli stance sort of reminds me of what Pat Buchanan, where Pat Buchanan used to, except, except Pat Buchanan. He could was, articulate it. Thank you. He didn't just come out with a, a line that let's just stop sending aid to Israel and that's that. Um, I think Ramaswamy, if he gets serious about being a politician, could actually be a good politician. He certainly he could be. He's got the past. skills. He's got the ability to BS. But as Mike Pence rightly said, this is not the place for on-the-job training. It's not working right. fryer. And you you are making a case that he could be good, not, but he's not good. He could be good. In the future, he might be ripe for a run later on. I don't know that that's what he wants. I think he's kind of one of those people who, once he started getting attention, liked getting attention. And so this is an easy way to get attention. And I, I, because you, you're right, it's not that hard to get up to speed on some of this stuff. Right. Learn the issue. Doesn't seem to have done it. Doesn't seem to have done it. Yeah, do, do some homework. James mm-hmm. Goldman, Case Snurley, Derek Hunter's here. We're going to take some calls if we have a moment. 800-848-WABC is the number jazz. to call. Right, James, about jazz. Call James about jazz later. <laughs> See, now this. Yeah, there's that. This, this is good music. Yes, yeah, Derek Hunter. H-U-N-T-E-R. Derek Hunter. You can find him on the internet. He's all over the place. You can find Town Hall. You can find you can find Derek, folks. And get in touch with him. 800-848-WABC is the number to call. Um, we're still going to talk about Donald Trump and this this horrid situation down in Georgia. Yesterday, coming back, your call is part of the program. 800-848-WABC. Don't go away. Extravaganza is in your ears. Now, here's James Golden, a.k.a. Bo Snurdly, on 77 WABC. Marvin and Tammy on WABC Talk Radio 77. Like sweet morning dew, I took one look at you. It was plain to see you were my destiny. Written by Ashford and Simpson. Today is Valerie Simpson's birthday. We had a nice conversation with Valerie Simpson earlier this year. You can find it 
under all the podcasts here on WABC. Valerie Simpson, one of America's premier songwriters, part of the duo of Ashford and Simpson. Happy birthday, Valerie Simpson. The Trump mugshot, Derek, your reaction to seeing this mugshot of Donald Trump. Opinions are all over the place, and of course, there are those in the press who say, oh, this is... There was a story in the Hill yesterday about the glee that some of the Democrats are experiencing. We got him. We got him. Uh, that was this, this little congressman out of New York. Uh, what's his name? I forget his name. Um, this angry little Congress guy from New York. And which one? And Yeah, I know. And how many people have been murdered in his district? How many people have been mugged in his district? Right. But, but he, they got this guy. They got him. Congratulations. Hey, you know, you feel bad for the people who are represented by Democrats until you realize that they voted for them and they keep voting for them. Let them go. Um, the reaction is pretty f- broad. I, uh, I was kind of hoping he would refuse to do it. And what are they going to do? I uh, see the, this little bonehead sheriff try to make a move on somebody under Secret Service protection. I don't think that would have worked out well for Buford T. Justice down there, but, uh, he complied. He scowled. I would maybe have gone for a wink or like Jane Fonda's mugshot with the fist. You imagine the, the uh, absolute fecal storm if Donald Trump had the fist <laughs> up. I would have loved that. Um, the UK, the Metro in UK scowling Donald Trump gives death stare an unprecedented mugshot over at the Atlantic. Their headline was, he wants you to look at him. Trump's mugshot was supposed to be an exercise in humility. He turned it into a threat by somebody called Megan Garber. He turned it into a how did he turn it into a threat? What is he supposed to give? I um <clears throat> I don't I can't say a uh, can't think of an artful way to say that there'd be a well a spanking like a child and a repository for money, a bank. Now if you drop the ING and you combine those two words, um that uh, thing is full over at MSNBC now with exclusively this image. And it's a yeah. testament to just how far our politics have fallen, that people get excited about this. With it. it reminds me of Harry Reid getting rid of the filibuster for everything but the Supreme Court so he could pack yep. the lower courts. There is no... I can throw this rock into this pond and there are absolutely no consequences. I can do whatever I want and there are absolutely no consequences. There are always consequences because ultimately you're going to be held to the same standards. You did this. You unleashed the whirlwind and he that troubled his own house shall inherit the wind. There are going to be Democrats in the not too distant future, maybe not tomorrow, but in the not too distant future who are going to receive these public colonoscopies by attorneys generals, by local prosecutors, and they're going to be perp-walked. And the barrier to entry is so low and the bar for proof is so low now that, you know, you already probably have committed five felonies yesterday without knowing about it. If the government wants to get you, the government can get you. Luckily, we have a government that generally doesn't want to get you. But if you want to play a game where you want to make the government go after one side, you don't control everywhere. They will come after you, too. And it's going to be hard 
for me to muster up any dams to give. Mm-hmm. I um I I'm very troubled by and I recounted it yesterday. I spent a monologue on it, going through the hatred that Republicans have received from Democrats. There has not been one president, Derek, since Dwight D. Eisenhower's term that has not received the collective hatred of what we call the mainstream press and the Democrat Party. Rush used to point out how they were always referred to as stupid. Republicans were stupid, except for George H.W. Bush. His resume made it impossible for them to simply declare him stupid, so they made him into a wimp. Somehow this youngest fighter pilot in World War II shot down, head of the CIA, he's just a little wuss. It is unbelievable. Meanwhile, Bill Clinton, the only time he's ever been in a physical altercation was when he was raping Juanita Broderick. And he's thought of as some sort of hero. It's uh, it's sickening. But yeah, you look at it. You look at you, you look at the lineup. They hated Richard Nixon with a passion even before he was president. Yeah. Back when he was governor of California. They hated Ronald him when he was Reagan. vice president. They tried to get to knock right. him off when he was vice president. Well, that's because he went after the communist in the Democrat Party, mm-hmm. which they have never forgiven him for. And so you look at Nixon, you look at Reagan. You look at, as you said, Bush 41, you look at the utter hatred that we saw for Bush 43 right after 9-11. Do you remember the memo that Greenberg, and I forgot his partner in there, put out on how to destroy George Bush 43, and they followed it. And it and, and it did work. It brought his numbers down. And so after you had Bush 43 and that hatred, then, of course, we had the the most wonderful Obama years. And then, of course, with with Trump, it has been an unrelenting well, you, you, hatred. You skip because it, it doesn't have to be Republican presidents. Bob Dole gave his his Bob Dole to this right. country, and he was portrayed as a monster in 1996. John McCain gave his ability to reach anything above his shoulders to this country and was tortured for six years, and he was Hitler Jr. in 2008. Mitt Romney, you can say what you want about Mitt Romney, and I wouldn't have voted for him for Senate. I'd have found some wet sock to vote for. But there's no disputing that he's a decent man, yet he was perhaps history's greatest monster when he ran in 2012. They do this to everybody. They've got Donald Trump is Hitler, and they've already said, and by the way, Ron DeSantis is also Hitler. He's Hitler part two electric boogaloo, probably worse than Hitler. That's just how they work. And just ultimately, and I can't make this point enough because it's something that drives me absolutely nuts that they're able to get away with this. And it's sheer laziness. And it's, it's the people probably saying it knowing better, but they also know that their audience is dumb enough to believe it. Hitler was a man of the left. Hitler was a progressive. If you look back at what was being said in the 1930s about Hitler and Mussolini by progressives in this country, they were jealous of their ability to get things done and what they were doing. They were the National Socialist German Workers' Party. And if you just look at the spectrum of politics, conservatism means individual liberty, respect for smaller government. Liberalism is bigger government. 
somehow the left leads you to believe that if you go out on the right side of that scale far enough, government shrinks, individual liberty grows. And then there's this weird blip where Nazis live and suddenly government becomes all powerful. So the people who are against government power suddenly embrace government power again and then it starts to fade. It's asinine. Communism, socialism, fascism are all different sides of the same die. They are all of the left, period. And every time you see this this right-wing strongman, there's no such thing as a right-wing strongman. You go out on the right side of that spectrum, you could make an argument that you'd end up with anarchy, right? Because the government is so small as to not exist or government doesn't exist. You cannot say that suddenly this giant blip on the radar is an all-powerful government. It's insane. It is a lie. It is one of the greatest lies ever sold. And that people are trying to sell it isn't a surprise. The saddest part is that so many people buy it. Derek, I really hope that you do this as a column. You've probably done it in the past. I have. But again, the big lie, because they keep telling us the big lie is over elections. This is the true big lie in our contemporary society. This is the, in, 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 in politics, this is the biggest lie. Mm-hmm. And it's not just, by the way, the politicians. The Democrats have, have voiced over and over again their hatred for the American people who have traditional American values, the, the basket of deplorables. And you can go on and look at Let everything. me tell you another big lie, James, another one that drives me nuts in this same vein. The Southern strategy of Richard Nixon. It Mm -hmm. caused a realignment, Southern strategy. 1968, the Republicans appealed to the racists, and they got all the racist Democrats who were so mad about civil rights. First of all, a higher percentage of Republicans voted for civil rights. It wouldn't have passed without them than uh, Democrats, because Democrats like Al Gore's father were filibustering it. And in the wake of the Civil Rights Acts in 1965, Two Democrats switched parties. Two, count them two. Strom Thurmond and some other guy in the House of Representatives who's irrelevant. But more than that, if Nixon appealed to all the racists and suddenly switched the South from Republican to, or from Democrat to Republican, the South didn't switch until 1994 after Bill Clinton was such a horrible president. So that's a hell of a delayed reaction. They had governorships. Jimmy Carter came out of there. Bill Clinton swept the South in 1992. It's just how it was. There was no switch. It wasn't until 1994 election night when Republicans took a majority of the senators and governor's mansions. And it was a slim majority at the time. It had nothing to do with civil rights. It had nothing to do with Nixon's Southern strategy. It is another great lie. But they tell it because they like to pretend that that purged the Democratic Party of all of the Jim Crow segregation-loving racists in the party, yet it's undercut by President Dipsy Doo there, who talked about how when he came into the Senate in 1973, he was embraced by all of these Democrat segregationists and really right. loved those guys. Like, okay, wait a second, I thought they were all Republicans at the time. It is, they tell you one thing, the opposite is true, and the people with the press passes whose job it is to sort of speak truth to power, they love that thing, it's probably their tramp stamp tattoo, is uh, they just sell it, they go right along with it, it is disgusting, but it is a lie, and it's something that it's repeated so often people believe it. James Golden, Derek Hunter here on WABC Talk Radio 77, coming back. We're going to grab a call or two when we get back. Don't go away. 
is the Saturday Morning Radio Extravaganza. Now, here's James Golden, a.k.a. Bo Snurdly, on 77 WABC. It's our Saturday Morning Radio Extravaganza. 800-848-WABC is the number to call. We're going to go to the telephones. Derek Hunter is here. Joe in New Jersey. Joe, how are you? Welcome. You're on WABC. Yes, uh, good morning, gentlemen, uh, Derek and uh, Bo. Uh, first of all, I want to say I'm a Trump voter, but I think you, um, VVAC, I thought myself, uh, I don't guys have a short memory, that when Donald Trump came down the yellow escalator in 2000. And 16, he was a non-politician. He was an outsider. So when you say Vivek's got to be a politician, we don't want politicians in government anymore. You guys are missing the point on that. Now, now again, he said he had I'm to be a, a politician, voter. but I will point out that yes, Donald Trump did. is now a politician. But he has to be knowledgeable. Donald Trump had a whole bunch of life experience that he drew on, and he didn't uh, get things wrong policy-wise. He didn't get things very specific, but he didn't get things wrong. Vivek has gotten been on both sides of a lot of issues and uh, wrong a lot. That's the difference. There are people with good instincts and there are people with good communication skills. Vivek has good communication skills. I'm a little skeptical of his political instincts. I think he's a, I think he's a rookie. He's an amateur. And I say that because of the things that he said. You don't go out running for president with these wackadoodle 9-11 conspiracies, even though they weren't challenged. If you're going to run for president and you honestly believe that we shouldn't give aid to Israel, you explain it. You don't lie to the public about why you took money from George Soros's uh, brother, and you don't come out with this, which I'm a little bit disturbed because I praised him for it. This rag-to-riches story, it turns out that that's a fraud, that his parents had a lot of cash. Wait, he and was, he didn't, didn't he grow say up in the debate this little... that his parents didn't have a lot of money? I thought that... Right. I didn't know. Yeah, that. he presented himself as this rag to riches. Oh, you know, we came here and all this stuff. And it turns out his parents were pretty well off. This is a guy that went to private school. Hmm. This guy didn't come up with this rag to riches thing like that he's claiming. Born on third base, who act like they hit a triple. Right. I mean, so if you're gonna if you're gonna do this, Joe, and I did say he if he wants to be a politician, and by that I don't. I mean in the political business, and politics is a business in this country. It is an industry. It has its own rules. It has its own vertical of how you play the rules. And Donald Trump came into politics as a non-politician, but he was a masterful politician because one of the things he did that other candidates didn't do, he was able to connect with the people by talking about issues in the way that most of the politicians don't. He drew a connection with people because mm-hmm. he, we, we call it unfiltered. Because of his unfiltered talk, Donald Trump was able to connect with voters, especially voters that felt neglected and not part of the political system. And he, he, he became, now, was Donald Trump a master of governance? No. But in terms of the politics to get elected, yes. Joe, let me give you the last word on this one. Yes, I, 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 I thank you. I, I just feel that he was the most, one of the more intelligent people and fresh faces on that podium that night. And um, 
I think that, you know, some of his issues, uh, you know, resonate with. Because I think, uh, you know, if you, if you listen to all the people that spoke, he, he was one of the people that everyone spoke about. So he got some yeah. uh, issues in. And I, I think he's the fresh face, is the new face of the Republican Party. Yeah, is he a little green? I, I agree with you, gentlemen. But, I mean, Donald Trump didn't do much. He even said if he wouldn't have known the hornet's nest he went into in 2016, he would have done even a better job. Now he's coming back with more experience. But this guy is the future of our, our party, so we should embrace him. Maybe, but the I, future okay. is not now. You know, we have to deal with the 2024 election. He might be great in the 2028 election, but we're not at 2028. And you, if you... You sit down and pretend that he doesn't have flaws or ignore his flaws. You're going to negate any ability of him or anybody like him in the future to improve. You have to point it out. He's used to getting glowing press. because Why? Because he hired PR firms to book him on Fox. Fox wasn't really going to challenge him, and he was always selling a book. He's very good at selling. He's very good at promoting himself, and he's excellent when not challenged. If he wants to be president of the United States at some point in the future, or United States senator from whatever state he lives in, you're going to have to get a little bit better at being challenged. You know, this reminds me of something, and then um, we're going to have to call it here because time, of course, is running out. When Colin Powell was was thinking about, or when the, the cry was to elect Colin Powell, one of the things that Rush said was, yes, he's popular now. But as soon as he gets to the stage and starts talking about issues, Mm -hmm. you will watch that popularity decrease. Because once you declare what you think and you put it on the table, you are going to run into opposition no matter who you are. He was absolutely right. Look at what happened to Colin Powell even when he wasn't running, but later when he staked out his ground. Right. And all of a sudden he went from being this universally loved person that could save America to becoming just another face in the political spectrum. Derek, thank you so much. It was such a pleasure. Derek, I'm getting a lot of response, by the way, from from, uh, the segment that you did about the lie and how brilliant it was. It should be transcribed, et cetera, et cetera. So I'm going to urge you again, bring out that article. Uh, maybe did. I'll rewrite it, make it more modern. I I think I wrote it a couple years ago, but it's something I talk about regularly on my podcast, which everybody should subscribe to. And where do they do that? I think just search Derek Hunter Podcast, or they go to patreon.com slash Derek Hunter Podcast to get the special podcasts. And there you go. Derek, thanks so much. Thanks, James. James Golden, a.k.a. Sternly, first hour of our radio extravaganza in the can, coming back two more hours to go. Norm Layden coming up with the news on WABC. Want to keep it here all day long. Do not go away.